0: Monday, May 14th. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, from Motley Fool Special Ops, Mike Olson from Motley Fool Inside Value. Joe meager Gentlemen, happy Monday. Howdy. Uh, earnings Palooza is over, I think it's fair to say. There are still some companies that will be reporting earnings, but you know, a couple weeks ago when it was just all earnings all the time. They, yeah, that's not today. Today, it's, uh, I guess it's like all executives uh, all, all the time. All firings all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about Yahoo. We're going to talk about Chesapeake Energy, but we will start... Uh, with the continued fallout from the J.P. Morgan Chase story, uh, shares down slightly this morning. CEO Jamie Dimon is under fire on a couple of fronts. Um, some calls for him to step down from uh, his seat uh, on the uh, the New York Fed. Some calling for him to give up his chairmanship of the company. And Ina Drew, who was the firm's chief investment officer, announced that she is retiring, and ironically, she was in charge of J.P. Morgan's risk management. So, Joe, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's obviously a story that's very much in flux. Um, you, you sort of took exception the other day uh, on Motley Fool Money when I mentioned that Simon Johnson, the economist, suggested that Jamie Dimon's got to resign. And, and not only he, he should resign, but you know, if this were another company like Caterpillar or Boeing, he would resign. Yeah, that's
1: ridiculous. Um, <laughs> let's keep some perspective. So there are about $2 billion in the hole on this trade or series of trades in the strategy. That's obviously a problem, and somebody's head should roll for that. But it's a $150 billion business, and Diamond's done a fantastic job of turning JP Morgan into one of the strongest banks on Wall Street in the world. Uh, I think it's a very well-run institution despite this hang up, and I know that everyone would probably disagree with that right now, and that's why the stock's selling at a bigger discount to tangible book than it has for 98% of the last decade. Uh, that said, I do think there's this is almost like a classic overreaction where everyone freaks out about a company. Talks, you know, congressmen are in there rattling on about how they're going to change rules. Uh, investors are going to you know criticize it and kind of leave it for dead. And personally, I <laughs> I think that's fine if you're a long term holder. I think now a very good time to be looking at it.
0: Uh, Mike, what do you think? Because to Joe's point about the overreaction, and as we were talking about before the taping, I think a little bit of this has to do with Jamie Dimon basically being the the man out front for Wall Street banks arguing against the Volcker rule.
2: Right. So, with respect to Jamie Dimon and, I guess, how much culpability should be put on him, I think there are two things you need to consider. The first, basically, is that if you're in this business – and you are. It is a very complicated one. There are any number of transactions which or exposures you may want to be hedged against. The bottom line is, you are going to suffer a relative, relative massive loss at some point in time. As an investor, you need to understand and accept that. That gets to the second point, which is basically that if you're an investor and you can't understand or accept that, these that you won't know what is inside a given company's balance sheet, mm-hmm. particularly a large. Wall Street institution, you shouldn't be invested in them. You're never going to have a degree of comfort with it. And the likelihood that something like this won't happen again is positively unforeseen. And so, is the street ever going mean, to. People on the street are somewhat rightfully asking what's inside this balance sheet? Can we trust them? And how should we proceed going forward? And I, I think that's a fair question when you think about JP Morgan shares closing the gap on what they're supposedly worth and what they're trading for now whatever that is.
0: Charlie, what do you think? Because, I mean, it seems like there are obviously a lot of moving parts to this story, and I'm sure we're missing something, because right now the big narratives... Are as I mentioned, um, you know the the fire that Jamie Dimon is taking, um, and whether or not that's fair or not. But I mean, what what's being missed here? What's what's the part of the story that's not getting as much attention as it should? Well, I would say J.P. Morgan
3: emerged from the financial crisis almost with a aura of invincibility, uh, in, in a very strong competitive position, uh, much more highly regarded than a lot of the other big banks in the country. And a, a loss like this is is almost like a tarnish on the reputation a little bit, and they don't quite have. Uh, the, the standing on the pedestal that they may have had before and, you know, it, almost like they're human after all. Um, but I, I agree with Joe's comment, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is going to be a bump in the road and five or 10 years from now, it'll be totally forgotten.
0: Uh, I know how you really don't like to ever agree with Joe. So I I appreciate you stepping up and sharing that. Um, uh, Joe, back to the narratives. I mentioned uh, Ina Drew, the chief investment officer. She's stepping down, taking her place. uh, A guy named Matt Zames. Um, who the only thing I know about him is uh, what I read this morning, which is that among his jobs in the past, he was a trader for long-term capital management, the hedge fund that famously went belly up in the late 90s. Um, again, that seems like if you're J.P. Morgan Chase and you're saying – Hey, we've 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 got a, a new person in charge of our risk in, uh, management. This might not be the best choice.
1: Yeah, well, you could say he knows more about risk management than anyone else they could bring in. And I was you know,
2: going to say tail risk.
1: He knows it now, <laughs> right? I mean, this guy cut his teeth there as a trader. He wasn't John Merriweather running LTCM. I think it's a little. There are a lot of jokes in the Twitter sphere about this today, and it's just an easy joke to make today. But just because somebody worked at a firm that went belly up twelve years ago. You know, a complete
2: no-name on the depth chart. I don't think that has anything to do with his ability to you know, manage assets at JPM today. That, that gets to kind of a more, a broader question in the investment profession. Would you rather have somebody work for you that has made mistakes and learn from them, or somebody that has not made any mistakes and believes they never will make a mistake? The reality is, you're going to screw up if you make investments. And if you screw up and you learn well, that's actually, that might actually make you more valuable in the long run. Speak for yourself, chump. <laughs> uh, Charlie's never made an error. Never, uh, never.
0: Uh, uh, just to close out on the stock, um, it's trading where it was 15 years ago. It, you look at a stock chart of, of JP Morgan over the last 15 years, it is, a, it is a bumpy ride. I'm sure there were people who made money along the way, but it is a bumpy ride. Charlie, what do you think of it right now?
3: Well, oh, I mean, that's par for the course for a lot of blue chips from that era. Walmart, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, you could see the same thing on all those charts. Uh, personally, I think if you're going to look at a big bank, uh, JPM would be one of the stronger ones to look at. Personally, it's not my cup of tea. It's too far outside of my circle of competence.
0: Do you have something that's, you know, more your cup of tea in the financial space? No. No, no financials. <laughs> all right. Mike Olson, what do you think?
2: Um, I... I have avoided big banks pretty religiously for the very reason I said, which is that I don't know what I don't know. Those balance sheets are absolute monsters, and it makes it pretty hard to make an informed judgment as to what they're worth. If I were to make a call right now, I would say it's probably more likely that they are more undervalued, perhaps very undervalued, than not. It's just not an investment I'm comfortable making. I think there are easier ways to make money.
0: So that being the case, um, and I believe you when you say that you, know, you don't know what you don't know, that being the case, doesn't it make it even more important who is running the company and, and sort of what his or her reputation? Like doesn't that put even more pressure on Jamie Diamond to basically um, you know, earn his reputation?
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, but I would point to a long track record of success as outweighing, you know, a single strategy and
2: trade gone
0: awry. You agree with that, Mike?
2: I think that's fair, yeah. I mean, I think you, as I said before, you basically need to acknowledge that there are going to be things that will happen for reasons you could not have ever foreseen. And it seems to me that this is a circumstance where within the chief investment officer, our chief investment office, There was a little bit of good money going after bad where they hedged it, then they hedged it again, then they hedged it again. And those are probably things that if Jamie Dimon is half the risk manager that anyone has said he is, he will go ahead and aggressively try and remedy that. Uh,
0: We talked recently about uh, Scott Thompson, the CEO at Yahoo, who was under fire um, with uh, his resume, basically claiming a degree – Uh, A college degree that, uh, turns out, wasn't actually offered uh, at his college. Well, you guys did that too, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was
2: actually an art history major.
0: (laughs) Only to get this job. Um, Scott Thompson has stepped down as CEO at Yahoo. Taking his place is Ross Levinson, uh, who's the head of global media at Yahoo. He's going to be the interim CEO. Um, Charlie? What do you think, I hope this puts some closure onto what has been a year of absolute
3: chaos for yahoo they 've had this will be their third chief executive officer uh, within about six months. Uh, It's been a revolving door in the board of directors. Uh, They finally came to an agreement with activist investor Dan Loeb, where Loeb and uh, two of his nominees are going to get on the board. A lot of current Yahoo board members are going to leave. Uh, There's been rumors that the morale at Yahoo, unsurprisingly, is absolutely horrible. Uh, So if you can get some stability up at the top of the organization to filter down to the bottom, uh, maybe they can finally cut out all the distractions and get down to business.
0: Uh, let's talk about Loeb for a second because, I mean, he was the one who wrote – he was the one who basically put the spotlight on Thompson's resume um, and he's been agitating for board seats. <clears throat> Now he's got him, Mike. What what is what can shareholders and prospective shareholders of Yahoo expect from Dan Loeb and and two of his friends having seats on the board now?
2: So I think what you need to understand about Loeb is just a little bit of context. This guy is a value oriented activist investor. He is an absolute pit bull. This is the type of guy who can make like Frank Sinatra or Al Capone crying his bed if they received a letter from him. I mean, you, you would not sleep. Um, your reputation is tarnished, even if you're Al Capone, uh, when Dan Loeb sent you a letter. So that is kind of, I guess, prelude. Loeb is going to very aggressively campaign for realization of the value he believes is in these assets, and that is Yahoo Japan and Alibaba. Um, And my And by
0: realizing the value you mean selling.
2: Selling, right. And so the question here is now they had a lot of problems earlier on where they were trying to find an effective way to sell this without incurring tax consequences, and they couldn't really figure it out. Now they're kind of working against time here, and I I think Charlie might agree with me where the domestic business is declining value asset. And so you're basically trying to squeeze blood from a stone and as quickly as possible because If the value of that domestic business declines too quickly or the perception of the value, guess what? (laughs) It might actually end up being fairly valued by the market's measure.
0: Joe, what do you think of all this?
1: I think Yahoo's still got a great franchise, and I think it's way – a couple things. way too late for them. I'm sorry. Not too late, but they should have put Loeb on the board a long time ago. Uh, even if he is a rabble rouser, he's a smart rabble rouser. And given what they were trying to achieve with trying to hive off these assets, his expertise would have been a no-brainer to have in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Second, I'm so glad they actually axed Thompson. It would have been a total slap in the face to all the people at Yahoo actually work hard every day and you know do so ethically and then keep the CEO who lied about his background. That just would have been a complete shame. So I'm glad they had the nerve to go
0: through Here's I was going to say, so, you, so, I mean, you know, the – you think they sort of came to an agreement with him where it was like, look, we're not going to fire you, but you need to step down.
2: I assume so. Are they still going to axe the 10,000 people or however many it was? Did he? I know. Say I
0: wondered about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean,
1: how would you feel if you're one of those people and then you find out the guy who's, you know, yanking that is – you know, lying about his background. Charlie? Yes.
3: What I like best about the change of the board of directors here is that for a long time, Yahoo's been trying to divest these Asian assets that Mike mentioned. Uh, but I was always worried they were going to get the cash and then do some boneheaded acquisitions or otherwise fritter that money away. No, that's Cisco's job. That, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but with Dan Loeb in there, I feel confident that shareholders will be treated right and will actually get that money. Uh, the amount of Alibaba Group they're talking about selling uh, would be worth about 3 to $5 a share. And on a $15 stock, I'd surely be happy with that special dividend because we do own it in a million-dollar portfolio.
0: So you, you see this news today of uh, sort of the one-two punch of Thompson leaving and Loeb getting three seats on the board. You take that as a bullish sign. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Shares of Chesapeake Energy up more than 6% this morning on the news that billionaire activist investor Carl Icahn is reportedly taking a significant stake in the company. Joe, what do you think? You've followed Icahn before. Yeah, this is great news if you're a Chesapeake shareholder. I mean, it's been
1: a bumpy couple days, few weeks. I mean, Friday, they basically came out and gave investors the impression that they weren't going to be able to keep pursuing the path of selling off their assets to unlock the company's value because of debt covenants. Well, then it sounded like a real rock in the hard place situation where it's like, we don't have the liquidity, so we need to sell these assets, but we can't sell these assets because we don't have liquidity. That's a real problem. Uh, and yet we
3: need to keep spending billions to drill. Exactly. It
1: all makes sense. You just make it up in volume. But yeah, they were in a bit of a tight spot. I do think They're still in a tight spot, but with Icon stepping in, I do think there's a catalyst for change there, and as far as change specifically, it's probably Aubrey's head. I'm not sure how much longer he can actually stay in control of this company. I mean, it's hilarious to think that people are talking about Jamie Dimon being called out at
0: J.P. Morgan when this guy (laughs) is still running Chesapeake. I was going to say, Charlie, um, Aubrey McClendon, I, I suppose something of a mixed blessing that the, the first good news he gets in a few weeks is shares are up thanks to uh, you know, an activist investor taking a big stake. But, but of course, right. Carl Icahn, he's, he's going to have his say, isn't he? His, his M.O. is to buy a big stake
3: and then broker sales of the businesses, which would mean the executives are out. Uh, so that, that's his game plan. Yeah.
1: Well, he's been in the stock
3: before, and he was the one who was actually pushing for them to
1: unlock value by selling off a lot of these assets previously. And honestly, part of the reason we sold at IVU was that was a catalyst for change, and the stock price ran up quite a bit. And
0: Icon peaced out, and we peaced out too. Um, for folks not familiar with Carl Icon, what what's on his greatest hits list in terms of sort of you know activist moves? Wasn't he involved in Sears, or am I thinking of someone else?
3: Uh, that would be Eddie Lampert.
0: Okay, so but, he, so, you're, so you're saying he's different from Carl Icahn. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, he's got a long
1: list. I mean, he's one of the original corporate raider types that, you know, Gordon Gekko and Wall Street
3: was kind of framed around. I mean, he's been involved in everything from airlines to biotech companies. He has really unlimited reach. Uh,
0: just to close out, I feel like Jason Moser should be in the room for this since he was the one who first raised this. But you look at Aubrey McClendon, you look at Jamie Dimon, and I mean, you literally look at them. That's two really good heads of hair on those guys. I mean, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Charlie. Would that when we, we are the age that those two guys are, we've got sort of the silver mane? Uh, I'm, I'm
3: growing this thing out. Are you? Yeah,
0: Joe.
3: I take diamonds here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write in Bruce Berkowitz. Really? Yeah. Oh, mm. does he good get hair. fabulous
0: hair and tan? Yeah. Mm. Like creepy tan or like a good healthy like Miami glow tan. tan? Healthy Miami tan. Yeah. yeah. We will end there. Joe Mager, Charlie Travers, Mike Olson, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, Cheers. people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: Tomorrow, Market Foolery: Creepy Man Crushes. <laughs>
1: Sunscreen is important though. I would be.
0: True. Sunscreen very important. Healthy glow, something I will never have.